intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Baseload is a fancy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And tonight, I am rolling solo. I did have a host lined up. However, there were some technical difficulties. So I get to roll solo for the first time in a long time. And you would think I talk enough, but now I get to talk even more by myself. Yeah, so this is episode 60, and... We are just going to answer some mailbag questions. Let's just start right at the top. Uh, at R underscore Lewis seven asked outlook for Mercado, Oscar Mercado and Ryan McMahon. He was offered those two for Mackenzie Gore. He says he's tempted, but I wouldn't do it, man. It would take a lot for me to really um, be tempted by this because Mercado, I was a Mercado guy all of last year. I loved him, but it, it was because of his price. He had an ADP outside the top like 500 or something ridiculous. He wasn't even a top uh, top 100 prospect in most ranks. The, the power we saw, I don't think is real. I think he's more of a 15 homer guy, even though we saw that in a small sample. I think the ball is going to be a little less juice next year. So all in all, I think Mercado probably sits around 15 home runs at best. But stone bases are legit. Could hit, could steal 30. Probably hits around 260-ish because of his speed alone. And we saw him go through slumps. I remember because I owned him through all of it. Ups and downs. He was hot, cold, hot, cold. That's, that lineup might get worse around him if they trade Lindor and, and other parts. So all in all, I'm not a huge Mercado guy this year. And I don't – and then, again, real quick on McMahon, it's more or less. It's more, more or less the same thing. I mean, there's not really any speed there. There's some power. He has cores as a home field, of course. But – it feels like the Rockies are just going to be the Rockies, and you just never know. They have, let's see, they have Desmond, they have Murphy, they have Hilliard, they have Hampson, and they have McMahon. And probably, oh, sorry, and Brendan Rogers. All these guys need to find a home, and I think McMahon's going to start off with a starting spot. I think he's, like I said, I think he's solid. I think he could be decent for power. Batting average is going to be okay, nothing special, maybe 260-ish. 270 at best and i mean and now you're asking like these are guys i feel like are death depth plays not death plays but they could kill your team i guess but these are more like depth pieces in a dynasty format more than like core pieces and gore if you're selling a gore a mckenzie gore type he has legitimate ace upside could be up by the end of the year and i would demand more of a of a return i would use him and, and utilize him only in a trade where i'm getting something of a higher end piece so I personally wouldn't do this deal. I wouldn't even honestly consider it. Unless it's the deepest of leagues, and even then, it would be kind of tough. Next question is from Momen76, at Momen 76 Does Josh Rojas, does Josh Rojas start in Arizona? Is Kevin Newman legit? And we'll see, where will CJ Crone sign? Well, if I could guess where CJ Crone would sign, I'll just – that would be great because his value could go up or down based on it. He's great, solid late-round value right now as is, just inside the top. I think he's around 275-ish in ADP, and he doesn't have a home. But the StatCast uh, page seems to love him. The power is legit. 
but where does he land? I mean, a couple teams that make sense. Like I was looking, I was looking at some teams, so I didn't completely fail you. The Brewers, there. I mean, we've heard Brandon Belt rumors or at least discussions, but they could just bring on a, they could just bring on a CJ Crone, move Braun back to the outfield, move Gamble out of there, and boom, you have a spot for Crone. He could slot into the middle of that lineup, and you're talking about um, Milwaukee now. So. That would be a heck of a landing spot, and that would be ideal. Realistically, you could see, see a team like the Marlins make room for him or the Tigers make room for him. Maybe Cleveland somehow squeezes them in, move Santana back to the outfield. I don't know. It's just – I think it's going to take one of those types of teams just to take them and see if they can build up his value before flipping them. Or the Brewers would be, like I said, the best-case scenario. You know he's not going back to Minnesota, that's for sure. As far as is Newman is is Newman legit? Kevin Newman is solid. I think he's legit as far as mid mid round mid round speed and and batting average. There's not really any power there, but I think the batting average and speed are real. Twenty home runs, two eighty three hundred hitter wouldn't surprise me at all. Or sorry, not twenty home runs, twenty steals with a two eighty ish batting average, give or take. But. I mean, he probably could do a little more, you know, 25 steals, but the power, it's pretty – I mean, I don't see him hitting more than 10 home runs type of thing. Maybe creep up to 12 if you're lucky. So, if you're going to take him on, you have to build for that. But usually if you're taking a Kevin Newman, it's because you took some power and batting average – you took some bigger power guys and some guys with questionable batting average earlier and you need to bolster up your speed and batting average. So, as legit as can be, yeah, I I mean – that's a tough. I mean, he is who he is. I think I don't think there's anything we're missing about him, so to speak. And does Josh Rojas start in Arizona? Ultimately, I think he does. I mean, you look at their roster resource page. Let's click on that. I looked at it recently, and they had him projected as a starter. I don't see why that would change. He definitely showed us some stuff last year. He's projected to start in right field, and I don't see much playing time concerns. I mean, look. Little Castro's on the bench. Maybe if they sign somebody, that question becomes something. But as far as right now, I drafted him actually for some late speed in an FPC format, and I think he's solid. I think he's good late speed guy. I mean, he's batting what appears to be seventh in this lineup as of right now, according to Russell Resource. And ultimately, I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna go with he's a starter. But again, that's subject to change. If they if they sign somebody. We might not be having the same conversation, but as of right now, I, if you're drafting early, take him at his, take him where he's going, uh, bank on the speed and a little bit of, you know, a little something, something with it. And if you really want to talk about him, just go ask Alex Chamberlain. He loves himself some Josh Rojas. So he's, he's all about that. I think he's the conductor of that train. Let's see. Next question from at Scott underscore Thorman. A bit of a two, uh, a bit of a uh, second base glut in the in the mid to late forties with Merrifield, Marte, Albies, and Hira all in that range. Who do you like best in different formats? Is it a clear cut choice in all leagues? My gut says Marte, Hira, Albies, Merrifield. Every format makes does change things a little bit. I mean, I almost always have Marte. I pretty much always have Marte ranked higher in just about every format. The only one I could see maybe Marte not being ranked higher would be points leagues because uh, Hira offers the more power. 
but here also Kate strikes out like 20 almost 20 like 17 percent more of the time maybe that's gonna that's gonna come down obviously he's not gonna strike out 31 percent or 30.7 percent this year but all in all i think it's pretty much Marte at the top for me some people do like here more but it's almost always Marte and Hira one two in that order no, I, I lied. Here's usually, I actually have Albies ahead of here, if I remember correctly, in my ranks when it comes to Roto Leagues. Because although here offers a higher ceiling, he offers a higher floor, whereas Albies, we know what he is. He's 20-20 or just about solid compiler stats, solid batting average, a high floor guy. He will not hurt you. Hira, although he is the bigger power guy, the speed isn't as legitimate. I mean, his best steal season – was just last season, if you combine AAA and AA, I mean, sorry, in AAA and, uh, and his major league stint. And that was uh, 16 stone bases in roughly 600 at bats, about uh, 590. So could he get 20 stone bases? Yes, but that would be the absolute peak. And of course, if he hits the peak, he's going to outperform Albies. But you're hoping for the peak. I like Albies more in, in Roto. But they're close. You could, they're in the same tier for me. And for those who don't know, I'm huge on tiers. I do my write-ups for fan tracks on to, uh, with a tier-based system. What a tier-based system does, and it's not a cop-out because I do put them. I put them in my reference, my preference. That's why they are ranked one through thirty per position. But what a tier-based system does takes three or four guys, puts them in the same group. Although I rank them in my preference, what I'm trying to explain is that I can understand these guys all being taken in any order of your preference or of your team need. So that's why they're in the same tier for me. They are very much team need. In points leagues, I would take Hero over Albies, but I would take Marte first in all formats. Hero and Albies swap depending on points of Roto, and then Wit comes in last every time. I think we saw a step backwards from Witt last year. I mean, I don't think. I know. He didn't hit the 2020 we expect. You have Matheny as a manager now. And that, honestly, someone brought that to my attention on Twitter because I've been using it as an excuse for modesty. But I forgot all about Witt being on the Royals, apparently. And I was like, well, if Mondesi's going to run less, then Witt definitely is going to run less. So there's a chance he's more of a 15-15 guy. And we talked about Mercado literally going pretty much 100 picks later. And I'm expecting 15-20, 15-25 from him. Just to give you an idea, I mean, I know positional eligibility is different, but I think Wit, I also Wit might hit for about 30 to 40 points higher in ad, batting average, so that might be the big reason why. But I think there's just not enough there to put Wit in the same conversation. I actually have him in a tier lower in all formats than all three of these guys. Well, he might be similar tier to Albies in points because Albies isn't huge on base guy, if I remember correctly. Let me look that one up real quick so I can – Fact check myself. It never hurts. I don't do a lot of points leagues, so it's my weakest. Um, not my weakest. I'm I'm good at you know assessing for because you just but I just don't know the. His on base is on base is actually decent. I still don't know if I put him above Witten points, but yeah, I probably would actually. Might as well. The K rate's good. Walk rate's good enough. He actually made strides in it up to his OBP three fifty two last year, which was actually on pace with two twenty seventeen OBP. In a small sample. So, yeah, I'd rather have Albies. And Albies offers a higher ceiling. So, I think Witt falls last out of all four of those guys in every format. So, I'm just going to reiterate one time. Points leagues, it's going to be Marte, Hira, Albies, Witt. Roto, it's going to be Marte, Albies, Hira, Witt. And I know there's going to be a lot of Hira people who will be like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm just not – again, he's in that tier, just not completely sold. And I actually have Marte a tier ahead of them, I believe. 
No, 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 no. Second base was very, very – it lacked that elite tier, and I have like six players in that top tier. Or five. I think all these players, like I said, all these players, including Torres, is in is in one top tier for me. And then Wit misses that tier altogether. So, yeah, I, I stayed on this long enough. I answered it. We're gonna move on. Who will lead off for the Angels? From uh, Davy Theus, or sorry, David Theus. Okay, sorry if I messed that up. Terrible with these things on Twitter. You look at their roster resource page, that's pretty much all you have to go off of. I do think it's going to be um, Tommy Lestella. I like him for, uh, for leading off for sure. He's a good on-base guy, doesn't strike out a ton, and that's pretty much all you can ask for one. I mean, he doesn't offer the speed, and there was a batting – there was a, there was a uh, stance – a swing change, sorry. He did add some loft to his swing last year that added to his home run totals. What concerns me is if they unjuice the ball a little bit, does he fly out more and not get on base as much? But he's a, I mean, he's a career 345 OBP guy, a career 272 hitter. That's the type of guy you want leading off these days. I mean, you don't always have to be a, you don't always have to be lightning fast on the base pass. I mean, and so if he, if he just gets on base, you're looking at 100 runs from the guy. He's a great source of uh, batting average and some runs. Because I think he's gonna, he he has a legitimate chance to stick all year leading off as long as he stays healthy, and if he gets on base in front of Trout, Rendon, Otani, like that's a hundred runs easy. So I like Lestella to lead off, and I think he's gonna remain there for he has a chance to remain there all year. And there's little doubt in my mind. Adele is a question, but I think Adele offers a little more than just the. And I don't think he has on base skills, especially. I mean, you saw he K's a lot in the minors. He'll probably K a lot when he comes up. It's just the nature of the beast with the rookies. So I don't think he leads off at least this year. So, and again, I think he offers a little more than your traditional leadoff hitter. So, yeah, I'm going to go with LaStella. Unless, again, signing to be named. You said you wanted Cesar Hernandez there. If he gets signed there, you, I could see it. But I've also, I also see Cesar still hitting towards the bottom of the lineup, keeping, keeping LaStella at the top of the lineup. So, let's see. Some closer stashes. Oh, no, I'm not, not you, Siri. Closer stashes from Leland Taglieri. Uh, he wants to, like, he was just, I guess, wants a couple names as far as closer stashes. He mentioned a few, like Munoz, Bummer, May. Those are some solid ones as is. Um, one guy I am completely eyeing is Corbin Burns. If they do trade Hayter from, from Milwaukee, Burns seems like a logical fit. He's a similar type of guy as far as a multi-inning role. He could do. I think he could definitely um, excel at that. He showed glimpses um, last year, and I think it's legitimately would be. I think it would legitimately legitimately be his for the taking. Maybe more of a two-inning role, similar to how Hader started off, and then maybe he falls into it. But I've been targeting Burns late in drafts, and people listening to this now know I'm going to be targeting him in FPC formats because he falls. I think there's a legitimate shot for him to close. And another one is Kyle Crick. And one of the questions actually asks, asks about Kella being the starter, uh, being the uh, closer. And I think he should be. But for some reason, he doesn't seem to be. I mean, at least per Russ resource, which, again, could change. They had Kyle – They last I checked, yeah, and they still do. They still have Kyle Crick closing. Crick showed flashes last year. He also got blown up in flashes. Keller showed flashes. Remember, if I remember correctly, he did pretty well. I think 
the issue will be. And I think it was Tim McLeod that uh, I talked to him about it a little bit on Twitter. He was the one talking about arbitration prices and all that. So it wouldn't, and it wouldn't surprise me if the if the Pirates even sell Kella before the season starts. So there's a lot of moving pieces there. I like Crick, and he's going way later. Another guy that might be the closer hasn't been named the closer. But you gotta assume is, and he, I think he is on our street resource as well as uh, oh Scott Oberg. He signed that three year deal. I think it was relatively cheap. I know there's health concerns there, but again, another guy just going so late in drafts. Let's see if I can think of a couple more. Reyes Maranta, I like him a lot in San Fran. Seattle, I think there's like a real, 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 real dark horse chance Carl Edwards Jr. gets to the spot just so they can build his trade value come midseason. But that's like a super dark horse one. Um, yeah, other than that, that's pretty much – I mean, I'm sure there are a few I'm missing, but those are the ones that came to mind right away. I mean, Kenyon Milton, he should be coming back from TJ this year for L.A. If Robles doesn't continue where he left off, does Middleton get a chance a shot at it again? So there's um there's stuff like that. Players like that that really just come to mind. Oh, and Ty Buttry right there with Middleton as well for the Angels. So those would be the type of guys that I would be looking at. There's a lot of um, question marks in Philly. Maybe David Robertson. Oh, I think he might be out for most of the year. Uh, Sir Anthony, maybe Sir Anthony Dominguez uh, comes back to form. Maybe, maybe, maybe they realize Pavetta is better served as a multi-ending guy or a closer because Neris struggled at times last year as well. So, that's another situation that's just might be fluid, might be worth taking a couple late shots on a couple guys here. But, again, I know it's going to kill me because I know there's a couple guys I'm missing. And hopefully you'll point them out to me because right now I'm blanking on beyond on guys beyond that, those names I mentioned. We can move on. For, oh, there was a second part to this question. I just gave out a lot more names than I anticipated. And... Some mid to late rounds of speed options like McMahon. See, I don't think McMahon's much of a speed option. I'm not a Kingry guy. That batting average just really concerns me. There's a floor that's like lower than floor. There's It's like basement level floor as far as batting average, and I don't need that. There's guys that offer good enough upside and speed. I'm usually avoiding Kingry. His, his price is all right, but I'm just avoiding him. Biggio, I like him a lot, but he's becoming priced up, and I don't like having to take him where he's going because – there's a chance, again, he's another guy with a batting average that could be an issue. But points in OBP leagues, got to like him a little more there, and he might be worth the price because he definitely excels in that. Barreto and Mateo, I don't think Barreto wins that job. They obviously don't like him. They obviously don't want him there. I think Sheldon Noose is the projected starter at the moment, but I like Jorge Mateo. I think I've talked about, I talked about him last year. He never got the call, and I didn't see why. He definitely added some power to his profile. How much of that was the juice ball again? I don't know because it was triple-A ball, and he's never really shown the power prior. But the speed's very real, man. He had like an 80 steal season in like an early minor leagues a few, like a few years back. And I think he's legitimately a 30 to 40 stolen base guy at, at, at his peak. And the speed is without question. But a couple other guys worth mentioning off the top of my head were um, like Tommy Edmond, mid-rounds guy. It goes back to Kevin Newman. I'd rather have Kevin Newman for just strictly for speed over Barreto and over McMahon even. Edmonds, another one I mentioned already. Um, Dylan Carlson's a late round guy, I like for speed. Not sure about the playing time there. I've come down on him quite a bit because of the playing time. Just looks so murky. But man, the talent seems real, and he's he's like top fifteen prospect for most people. Should start off at least in AAA. Could be up by the midseason at the latest, I would think. Um, another guy, Victor Reyes. I've talked about him 
to, at, at nauseum. So I'm not going to keep it. Um, I'm not going to keep it too long on him. He's just legitimately a solid batting average guy. Good contact profile. Does chase a bit, but and, but, and he strikes out. You know, like about 19, 18 percent. But and he does not walk. The guy does not walk. But the high contact, 91st percentile spin speed, and overall just a track record between that and the minors. It's um, a legitimate 20 to 25 stolen base guy with a solid batting average. He's a guy I'm aiming for as a fifth outfielder everywhere. ADP like 346, I think it is. I'm almost positive. So he's another solid late round speed source. Dansby Swanson, surprisingly, I've come around on him a lot. In limited time last year, lost some time due to injury, put up 17 and 10. His projections this year, I believe, are identical. 17 home runs, 10 stolen bases. And Swanson has everything, like, it's just quietly good. I mean, if you look at his stat cast data, it's decent. It's all of it, all of it's in the red, not like bright, shiny red, but definitely solid and definitely above average. And he could be a sneaky 10 to 15 steal guy. And he's going way later. So he's another one worth um, noting. Brandon Lowe, I like him to be a 10 steal guy. If you take his stats, pretty much double him because that's pretty much what you could have done with how he played 82 games. And I put him on a 10 steal uh, pace. He's, I think, 69th percentile speed. So the above average speed is there. Playing time, he's at, at the very least a strong side platoon guy. So I think there's some uh, sneaky speed there. Solak's another guy. Sneaky speed. Um, Ian Happ, I highlighted today. He's done it before the double digit steals, I believe, in a year. Should have um, a playing, should have a starting, starting gig. He, he's going outside the top 380p. He could hit 25 to 30 home runs easily with 10 stolen bases. Problem is, he also hit 230 doing it. So you have to plan for him, but I like him a lot. I just looked into him today, and I'm really, really excited about potentially landing him on some teams later on in this draft season or even coming up in this FEC league I'm actually currently in. And Rich, Richard, you just uh, hit me up with the Machado. I assumed it was Machado when you asked me how much, uh, how much I would bid on him. That's tough, man. I don't know specifics about your league, league depth, league type. Regardless, I value him. Like, I just took him in NFC League in the fifth round. It was the early fifth round, so that puts him at about, I don't know. What, what pick is that? Let me get it right. Can't do math right now. It's getting late. I probably should have thought this one through. But let's see, 15, 30, 45, 60, 62. Like, pick 62. So. That's usually in like the twenty-ish dollar range in, in a typical, so maybe like forty-five-ish, for maybe fifty-five. Again, I don't know your, I don't know the depth of your league. I don't know. There's a lot of factors, so maybe I'll hit you up on Twitter with it when I get more specifics. But that's that's a tough one. Let's move on from that one. Sorry, I couldn't be more help, Richard. But I know you have another question in here somewhere, so I will find it and I will answer it. Because you know why? He left me a five-star rating and review, which, tangent, if you don't mind doing that on iTunes, that's greatly appreciated or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you could actually hit me with that, hit, hit me, hit us <laughs> with that uh, rating and review, preferably five stars, of course, it's great help. It helps, apparently it helps exposure and a whole bunch of other stuff. So ratings and reviews are greatly appreciated if you take the time to do so. And other than that, let's move on. All right, Richard. I found your auction question. Which SP should I target on the cheap with a potential bounce back season? Not necessarily just bounce back seasons, but I like, I like Anthony Scafani a lot. He's over there with the Reds. Team got better around him. He's with the pitching coach another year. 
that line, that that just all around that pitching staff I want parts of, even with the bad home ballpark. The Brewers have gotten worse. The Cubs appear to possibly be getting worse. The Pirates are bad. So the division's gotten softer. This would be the year to finally get in on, like, Reds pitchers. Never thought I'd say that word or say those words. So I really, I really like I really like Descafani. Couple other guys. Let's see. Garrett Garrett Richards. He's you know he's coming back off a of lost year, and he's gonna be pitching for the Padres. Not sure how easy they'll take it on him. He's a you know he's a veteran. I think he, I think he's playing for a contract this year, so he's a guy I really like. Late in drafts as well. Um, Keuchel depends on your format. He's serviceable. He's still cheap. Again, not a guy that's necessarily coming off a bounce back, but still cheap. Let's see, Marlins guys, pick a Marlins pitcher. I mean, they're all relatively cheap. Caleb Smith, he's solid. he could be a solid bounce back. I think a lot of his uh, concerns were he had a pitch arsenal change come midseason last year, and I think a lot of it was just due to fatigue because he was pitching career highs in innings. So I think there's a chance we see him bounce back in a strong way. Good home ballpark. The division's a little tough, I, I admit, but I ultimately really um, – I, I like – I like the opportunity there. I like the chances for a bounce back there. So that would fit your question. He's a bounce back. He should be relatively cheap. Oh, a big one. I just talked about him on Bo's podcast, Luke Weaver. No, sorry, I talked about him. I just talked about him on, on the last podcast, but that's Luke Weaver. He's going in those middle rounds, later rounds, and I think it'll be cheap. He's going pretty pretty cheap. I just got him in my FBC draft. He had a forearm strain, which can be a precursor to Tommy John. Did not have a Tommy John. Did finish the year on the mound, albeit two innings. Spore was very, very uh, clear to point that one out. But I like Weaver a ton this year. So all in all, man, I mean, those are some names I would look, definitely look into and keep an eye out for. Maybe Kopech falls for a decent price, coming off Tommy John again, but he's going to be limited in innings. Keep that in mind. Dustin May, another one. Ross Stripling is basically free because I don't think he's going to be – he may not be a starter, but if they make a trade or two, maybe he cracks that starting lineup. Kenta Maeda, another good option to grab late. I, th- I see him getting getting kind of cheaper and getting kind of cheap in drafts, although he might climb now that he's, you know, being in the starting lineup. So, or people I think are starting to get around that he is a starter in the starting lineup, I should say. Um, yeah, I'm 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 reaching for names here, trying to give you as many as I can. Sean Manaya is okay. I'm not a huge Manaya guy, but I can understand it. Other than that, man, I think. Uh, those are some of the, just some of my guys. I'm sure there's one or two I'm missing. Let's go look at my queue right now. Nothing really stands out. <laughs> um, I named a couple of the guys I'm looking at later in drafts. Merrill Kelly, he's a good one. He's falling. He had a solid second half for last month of the year or something like that. He's definitely somebody worth grabbing. I wish I had Mike on for this question. Mike always has the – oh, Mitch Keller. He's an industry favorite, and he's still relatively affordable for affordable <laughs> so yeah that's a good one that's another good one you know a guy i really like you can get him really late he's just he's just a guy but if your league's really deep brad keller i feel like he's just an innings eater at this point all right that's that question time to move on yancey eaton i can't appreciate enough how much you've been uh supporting us it, it means a lot man so thank you for that and you said you just wanted to hear the thoughts on our on the newest rays outfielder I want to say his name, but man, am I going to butcher it? We're going to give it a shot. Yoshitomo Susugo. That sounds about right. That's actually not one. It's actually one of the easier Asian names. I feel like 
I've, I've, we've had the chance to say Yoshitomo Susugo. Early ADPs, 342 and 410. Why do I know that? Because I'm writing about him. This podcast might drop <laughs> the same day I dropped my article, but he's not just about him. He's just a late round, late power source, and that's what I'm writing about. Let's see. There was a um, – forgot what the writer is. I wish I can give him some credit, but he put out – he basically said the last five years, he's averaged 33 home runs with 93 RBIs. And in 2016, so a few years ago now, he hit 322 with 44 home runs and 110 RBIs. That power doesn't just happen. Sure, it won't translate to 44 home runs here, but I think we're looking at a legitimate 44 home run guy. I think the issue just, I don't, where's his batting average? Where's it land? I mean, it seems like he has legit power, but you just never know how they adapt to major league pitching. I mean, remember Kung Ho, was it Gung Ho Park or whatever his name was? Exactly, whatever his name was. <laughs> he came over, like, all the hype was there. The big bat was there. So I think the power is legit. Just how does the batting average translate? I don't think they brought him over to not start him. So what does that do for the rest of the Rays? Man, it drives me crazy. I really do think Nate Lowe, and I think Russell Resource agrees with that. I think Nate Lowe takes the hit again, and that drives me crazy because I'm such a, a low guy. But I've had to actually like avoid him in this recent NFBC draft a little bit because I just can't – I just don't see how they're going to make the playing time. Because you have Nate Lowe, you have, um, you have G-Man Choi, who they love, and I think he has a really good glove, if I remember correctly. And then you have this new guy, <laughs> you, um, Susugo, I think is how you say his name. What else? They have uh, Yandy Diaz at their base. They talked about playing him there. They thought about playing him in the outfield, but the outfield's Renfro, Kiermaier, who's not going anywhere because that glove is amazing. And, oh, I almost said fam. Look at me. <laughs> And who's the other outfielder? Oh, Meadows. That's what. So it's like something's got to give, and I think it's gonna be give. I think something's gonna give at that first base, third base, DH area, and I think Choi keeps his spot for a little bit. You know, he's a lefty, but so is um Low. So I don't know. You have Choi, you have Diaz, you have it's just such a crowded situation, and the Rays did what the Rays do, and I'm not a huge fan of that, unfortunately, just for Low's sake. But I think he, this guy's gonna get every chance to show that he was worth the signing because the Rays don't usually go out and spend money, although it wasn't that much. So I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of solid upside to have here. I like the move more for real life than I do for fantasy, but at the same time, I hate seeing Lowe getting blocked because Lowe seems like a legit hitter, 270-ish batting average, like 30 home run upside type of guy. I feel like maybe they think they got something similar in that, in, in, this, um, in this international player, but that's the thing. It's similar. What are, I don't, I've learned not to question the Rays. I really have. But, man, this makes me question them because what are we missing about Nate Lowe that they see? Why is Nate Lowe getting blocked? So maybe they make a move. Maybe Choi gets gone. Maybe Yandi gets gone, and they make that all work out. But for the time being, I think it's Lowe that, I think it's Lowe that takes the hit, and I think we see um, Susugo get the starting nod, at least a DH for the time being. And that's what Ross Resource also seems to have here. So, but oh, and Leland Taglieri also commented on the whole um, twenty plus home runs thing. I think twenty. I mean, you see that swing, you see the production. I think twenty home runs. I think thirty home runs is what you can actually get out of them. But a nice twenty-five to twenty-seven home run floor seems, or not floor, but twenty-five to twenty-seven home runs seems pretty legitimate. It's the batting average. You just don't know what you're going to get sometimes, man. See how they adapt to big league pitching. Otani adapted great. 
but Otani's also an elite talent, so to be determined on how he adapts. But all in all, I uh, I like the move, and I think it's very interesting. And I will try to draft a share or two just to see how that goes. So next question, we're almost done here. I think actually. Wow. Yeah, a couple more. Will Keona Kelly close from at Dossel Dos? Sorry, man. I butchered your name again. Dossel Rish. I apologize. <laughs> Will Keona Kelly close? I'm not sure. I honestly am not sure. They don't seem to project it that way. And there's a chance he's moved. I should he close? Yes. But if you take him, make sure, please make sure you go out of your way to get Kyle Crick just in case. Because one of those two should be the closers with little to no um, doubt in my mind. So you, it's one of those, like, I feel like people think Kel is safer than he is. And I think you really need to make sure you handcuff him because um, I'm big on grabbing Crick late in drafts because people seem to forget about him. And he's so buried. You could be walking into the closer come day one, or maybe they split it. You don't know. I don't know, but I, I don't feel very safe having Kella as a closer. Especially if he's in your number one. If he's your number two, you can get away with it, but even then, it's not a guarantee. At FJA, Frank Aquila. I like that better. Let's go to Oakland. He wants to talk about Oakland rotation. Bunch of ones and twos. I agree. They have a great, or what appears to be the potential for a great starting lineup, starting rotation. How would I rank them? The ceiling looks like four one to two types. Yes, the ceiling is four one to two types. Let's look at them. Mike Fires, Manaya, maybe not four of them. I'd say two of them with Puck being a third. Uh, Montas, Lazardo, Bassett. How I would rank them? I want to put Lazardo one, but that's not realistic. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's not realistic because I don't think he pitches a full workload this year. He didn't, you know, he barely threw any last year. I think Montas is the one. I think he ends up, as far as fantasy goes, I think he ends up being the one. I think Lazardo, I'm going to put him at two for the for the upside. Manaya three. I think Manaya flashed it, but we saw him get exposed a little bit in the playoffs there, unfortunately. And Manaya, you know, he's. He's not quite – I don't think he has that ace potential. I think Lazaro has the highest potential. Montas has a potential of a number two legitimate upside uh, SP, and he's drafted as such in fantasy. And I like him in real life too. So it's easy for – but in fantasy purposes, Montas, Lazaro, Manaya. Then Fears and Fires and Bassett are both late-round guys. I tend to usually end up going, going with Bassett actually. I, th- I think he was solid. I know F- Fires was. Fears with Fires. Fires was too, but, man – his peripherals were really, really scary. I think he can outperform them to a point. But I like Bassett a little more than Fires, and Bassett you can get later. People almost have forgotten about Bassett. But regardless, though, I think it's a solid lineup. It's funny because Fires is actually projected to be their SP1, which is the race, and I'm, like, the lowest on him. I think he's okay. I think he's better in real life than fantasy is what it is. And I'd rather have all four of these guys over him, but definitely the three, and Bassett is questionable. I get it. Puck, I'm surprised, isn't going to get a starting spot. I guess I'm not surprised, but it's unfortunate. Maybe a little bit of time in the minor leagues to stretch him out because he was brought back as a reliever last year. And if he doesn't get stretched out, I think he could be an elite um, relief pitcher and potential closer down the line. I would definitely treat him as a starter, but I wouldn't draft him right now with any confidence of any sure thing innings unless there's an injury. So that's how I look at it and how I rank him. Lastly... We have 
at 13 PD. Can Scherzer, Verlander, and Altuve be trusted to be near their regular selves or not worth the risk and take someone else? I'm. It's funny because I don't think like, I'm big on Scherzer. I still like him a lot. I still think Verlander is pretty much going to be the same guy. I don't see them suddenly falling off a cliff. I know Scherzer has shown the injury concerns in the past, or not even in the past, just this year and into the playoffs. I think it's just been one lingering injury, to be honest. And with that said, I mean, I know technically, you know, they played into the World Series and all that, but Scherzer's a he's a he's a gamer man. I think he knows what works for him. And I don't. I, I want to say they're fluky. I know it's hard to say a 35-year-old with sudden onset of injuries is fluky, but I think they are. I think he's going to learn how to work around it because he just know he knows himself at this point. He knows his body. The stuff is still electric. The stuff is still there. And I think Verlander's stuff is still there. And I think they both are top four pitchers. I have zero concerns with them really coming in the next year. Now, if you want to, if you, I can understand you want to fade them, that's fine. Don't get too cute. I would say I can understand Bueller above them. I can understand Clevenger, and, and that's pretty much it. Maybe Snell. I love Snell, but I wouldn't. You don't have to take those guys above them. So if you don't like them, if you don't like Verlander or, or Scherzer, or if you have concerns, ultimately I'm just I'm not big on taking pictures that early in drafts. Is my concern really? So I usually avoid them as is, and I usually fall for the guys I just mentioned. Like I'll settle for Snell because I think Snell's going to get back to being who Snell is. I love um, Giolito and Corbin. I like those guys. So I'm big in the you know in those middle, the later to ten, early teens guys. I like those guys a lot. I should watch how I word that. <laughs> early teens starting pitchers. But yeah, I think I'm not too worried about them. I trust them. I'm comfortable drafting them as my ace if that happens to happen. And as far as Altuve, another guy I'm not concerned about as far as the health. I mean, concern is the wrong word. I like his value. You see him going in the third rounds. Do not expect the steals to come back. Those days are behind them. I think there's 10 steal upside, and that's because that's a team that just doesn't need a steal. You don't need to manufacture runs. Why run into outs? So I think that's what hurts them more than anything. The speed's probably still there. But I think they're also going to limit the opportunities for stolen bases because when he came back, he stole a couple, but he also got caught a few times. And why risk the knee injuries with one of your best hitters? I think there's a solid four-category uh, production. And, at his, and he also offers one of the higher ceilings and floors at a position that is pretty weak at the top when compared to other positions. I mean, there's him, Gleyber Torres, and Catal Marte, and those three I feel like are the clear one, two, and three. And all three of them offer similar as far as, like, stats. No one really stands out. But you have Glaber, who you can argue, who you can argue stands out in power, but he also is the one that hurts you in, in batting average. Marte is a very similar player to Altuve without the track record, so that's why it's like Altuve for me is still the best second baseman for fantasy purposes, and that's how I would still rank him and take him. And I'm again not too concerned overly. No, I'm not overly concerned about the knee, but you got to realize anybody can get hurt. It's baseball. It is what it is. Injuries happen. I mean, Mike Trout, one of the surest things in the fantasy, has had three straight years of being hurt for 140 games or less, or has played 140 games or less in the last three years. So that just goes to show you that anything's possible. But I don't project Mike Trout to be hurt this year. It is what it is. And I think that's going to do it. That's every question. And it was I think it was a relatively quick podcast. We'll see when I go to edit it. But with that said, guys, I appreciate you guys listening. 
if you could, um, again, that rating review really helps us out. Five stars is always preferred, of course. And obviously, and also, if you are interested, we do have a Patreon page. We are an independent podcast. We do do this for the fun of it, and we thoroughly enjoy it. But if you want to support us beyond just listening, you want to check out. We offer draft services. We offer a variety of options of, of things that um, over there. So, if you want to check out our Patreon page, it is fantasy baseball slash uh, Patreon. Wow. It is patreon.com slash fantasy baseball <laughs> and just check it out. Other than that, guys, I got, I got a couple articles in the works. My other co-hosts keep them busy as well. They're all writing. They're all doing stuff. You can follow them on Twitter. You can follow Mike at SP streamer, Zach at Braff Z and George at J Montana's 90. We're about to kick it in a high gear. Draft season is upon us. Draft season has started for some of us. We are going to kick it in high gears. Many podcasts as we can physically get out. We are writing. We are doing it all. Stay tuned. Stick with us, and we will try our best to help you win your fantasy leagues. With that said, guys, thank you all so much for listening, supplying me your questions. And this won't be the last mailbag, so stick around on Twitter. Feel free to hit us up. And as always, guys, we appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon.